Welcome to Sex Care is Self-Care, a conversation on women's sexual health brought to you by the Patty Brisbane Foundation for Women's Sexual Health. I'm your host, Patty Brisbane. If you're on the fence on whether you should use a personal lubricant or just don't know where to start, today's podcast is for you. I'm joined by Dr. Michael Critchman, Dr. Cheryl Kingsburg, and Vice President of Pure Romance Product Development, Aaron Harris, for this combo on lubricants. It's everything you've always wanted to know, but never asked. Let's get started. Dr. Critchman, why should you use a personal lubricant? And what are some of those benefits? Well, Patty, thanks for having us here today to talk about this really important topic. It's really, you know, I think rather confusing. There's so much information out there, misinformation, and it can get very confusing very easily. And I think your question is really spot on is who could benefit? And I think there's a lot of misperceptions, right? We think that lubricants are really just for dryness and really just for maybe older couples who are having a problem with menopause and changes in hormones. But let's not forget that there are, you know, over 300 medications that everybody takes uh, that are very common that may cause dryness as well. So, you know, the misperception that is just for uh, older people, um, is really a fallacy. And the other issue that I think is really important, I know Aaron will talk about this as well, is that a lot of people are using lubricants to kind of enhance the sexual journey, enhance pleasure, uh, break up sexual boredom, bring something new into the bedroom, uh, which is not uncommon uh, for couples, you know, that uh, sometimes the same old, same old routine becomes humdrum and boring and bringing a new lubricant into the bedroom may spice things up as well. And, you know, there's medical reasons, there's underlying medical conditions, whether you've had cancer or have problems with your genital anatomy as well. Um, that may impact your natural ability to lubricate during sexual experience. So not only from a medical standpoint, but I'm going to kind of chime in and, you know, bring Cheryl into the discussion a little bit to talk about some of the other issues that some women may experience that may uh, benefit from this. And, you know, um, Cheryl, before we jump in, you know, some of the benefits I think for me are enhancing sexual pleasure, changes in uh, discomfort, and really about the novelty as well, that this may be very helpful for some couples who are who kind of are struggling with sexual boredom as well. So Cheryl, um, you know, it's really exciting for me to share uh, the uh, discussion with you. And I know you have a lot of really uh, important things that you want to let us know about. So please chime in and tell us uh, your thoughts as well. Well, sure. And thank you again for including me. Um, Patty, talking about lubricants, talking about anything that's related to female sexuality and male sexuality is so important. Uh, but lubricants are sort of the, the mainstay of sexual play. And so it's important that we validate and normalize the use of lubricants for women uh, and couples of all ages. And so you have to think about when, when somebody's walking you know, through the aisle of a, of a drugstore or going online, they are faced with a multi-million dollar industry and they need to know 
what's the right one for me? And it's kind of like condoms. It's not a one size fits all. And we need to help um, women and couples figure out what's going to be best for them. And so some, some of it, it really is really about experimentation. You know, try a few things, um, get a variety pack. And boy, what a fun Valentine's present or birthday present to give a little box of, you know, you never know what's in it. Um, and there are, so you can think about, and Erin will talk about all the kinds of, of lubricants, I'm sure. Uh, but women need to think about what's going to be best for them. One thing to think about is um, the fact that most women will need a lubricant at some point. They just will. Um, and that's not about a stigma of what's the matter with their, their anatomy. And, and Michael, you talked about the fact that there are many women who have health related conditions uh, or anatomy issues and they need the lubricants, but we really wanna validate the fact that anybody can and should use a lubricant because you know it can only help. Um, women will say to me, you know, well, which one should I use? And I'd say, you need to experiment. We need to make sure that what's, what is going to work for you is right for your body. So for example, midlife women are probably going to need something a little bit more than maybe a 20 year old. Uh, but then she needs to think about, do I want a silicone based? And that's going to be great. It will last a little longer than a water based but we have to warn them, be careful, don't use it in the shower because uh, the last thing we need is a slip and fall, right? So I don't wanna go on too much because there, there's a lot of topics I wanna cover, but I, I just wanna make sure that everybody knows that women of all ages can and should use a lubricant at some point. There is nothing wrong with their bodies if they need a lubricant because I get that question, is there something wrong with me? Is there something wrong with my desire or my arousal if I need a lubricant? And the answer is absolutely not. Please don't use that as a stigma that there's something wrong with you. It is a multi-million dollar industry for a reason. Um, and if it can help, that's great. If you don't need it, but you want it for sex play and fun, that's great too. That's the amazing thing about lubricants is that there is a lubricant for every single different type of use, whether it's with your toys, uh, whether it's with your partner. And I know, I know, Aaron, I am going to let you talk all about that. So that's, this is, this is one of my favorite topics. Dr. Critchman, I know that you've discussed that many of your patients have used pure Pure Romance Lubricants. Um, can you share some of this with us? Well, Patty, you know, I want to back up a little bit and tell you about the preamble to getting the lubricants because, you know, there's this, this really this social stigma about women and their sexuality. And part of what I'm hearing from you know, my many years of experience of talking to women and, you know, very often their first, you know, journey into sexuality or lubricants was with a pure romance um, consultant at a party. Um, because remember, think about it. How do women really get a lubricant? You know, I always joke and say, you know, under the cover of night wearing a trench coat, they drive 20 miles away from their home into a uh, pharmacy where they, you know, put 35 things in their basket and they slip a, a lubricant underneath because they're so fearful that there's going to be a price check when they check out. There's this shame as opposed to, you know, the 
teen or the man who, you know, pulls out a lawn chair, sits in front of the condom aisle and is very much proud of his sexuality. So the first experience is about education and about that intimate discussion between your um, clients and your team members, really about educating women that one size doesn't fit all. And, uh, you know, I'd echo Cheryl's sentiments that there's certainly a lot of experimentation. Uh, there are a lot of specialty lubes, you know, I think that, you know, the, the color, the uh, warming ones, you know, the sensation line that you have has really had good experience for, you know, the younger woman who wants to bring in, you know, some tropical stay staycation experience or, you know, feelings at the beach and really spice things up with their partner. Um, you know, there's there's newer products, though, those that have uh, CBD as well. And again, uh, breaking the mold that it's not one size fits all, right? And I think there's twofold issues here. And I'd love to hear um, Aaron's experience because I think the education that you provide in terms of um, normalizing the experience and not vilifying women to explore that uh, aspect of a lubricant. Um, and I would echo the sentiment that women may not necessarily need a lubricant, but they may want a lubricant. They may be empowered to enhance their own sexual experience. Uh, it's not always about their partner, it's about themselves, and sometimes they need to be the active participant, right? And can I jump, Michael, you just sure. brought in such an important point that the, the, the pure romance parties makes it a non-medical thing that, first of all, I have to say, <laughs> most healthcare providers are not great about talking about sex, and they often know nothing about lubricants. They're sort of stuck in the old KY jelly mold. Oh, my God. And so we need to bring them to the 21st, 20, 21st century. So the, the idea that you can talk about lubricants outside of a medical setting is huge. It does normalize the use of lubricants as not for medical reasons. There are medical reasons and we do wanna teach our healthcare providers how to talk about lubricants too. So it is a kind of a, a, a two-edged issue here, uh, but in the, in the home-based setting, it is so validating. Women learn from each other, right? Who do you learn about your, your lubricants from? You don't well, probably not from your mother, but other friends and, you know, and, and your girlfriends, that's who you ask. You often don't ask your healthcare provider. Uh, you should be able to, but you often don't. So it's nice to be able to have a variety of places to go for that information. I think that's great because I think it's called pain forward when you've talked to your girlfriends about the different types of lubricants. And especially if you attend a pure romance party, the the consultant is going to be able to tell you everything about the lubricants and the, and the different things that they're used for. Erin, um, let, let, let's go to this one. What different types of lubricants are available and does Pure Romance sell all of them? Yeah, so I just wanna drive home the point that lubricants are not a one-size-fits-all product like both of the doctors have mentioned. Women and men, both of them may own a number of lubricants to select which one is best for each individual scenario. 
Um, so we've talked a little bit about different types, but let's go into each of them. So you'll have a water-based lubricant and that's very versatile for everyday use. They're available in a variety of formulations. Uh, most of the known formulations are gel-like, but they're also offered in emollient-based, which are best suited for men with rings or masturbation sleeves for the penis. Um, Dr. Kirchman brought up our sensations line. So you have playful water-based lubricants that generally have a lot of flavor to them that are best for foreplay and um, just that arousal phase of the sexual response cycle. You also then have silicone lubricants, which are typically preferred for anal play. Um, you know, they'll last longer. They provide a, the largest barrier against friction. It is water resistant. So as Dr. Kingsburg said, you want to be careful when at certain stages in life because it can make the shower a little slippery. Um, however, it is best for water play because it's not gonna wash away so easily. Um, we also have oil-based, the natural lubricants that are gaining a lot of momentum recently, but they do have some downfalls if used on a frequent basis. So aside from staying the sheets, the larger concerns are the fact that oil actually breaks down the efficacy of latex. So they're not condom friendly if that's a concern for the person and their experience. And um, they may even lead to higher rates of yeast infection and increased bacteria. So, and then um, another one that's really kind of gaining some momentum in the last couple of years are hybrid lubricants. And that's a combination of any of the previously mentioned types of lubricants. So those are gonna combine the best of silicone and water-based formulas, and they're gonna produce uh, long-lasting products that are non-staining, they're easy to clean up. And um, yeah, Patty, as you mentioned, the best part is that Pure Romance, um, our partners are out there educating women and they're able to supply this demand. And our customers can find a lubricant from each of the categories that we've mentioned thus far. I think it's best to have all the categories because it's like, why would you have a spice rack and only one spice? So, you know, let's bring it all because if it is the same old, same old every day, it does get boring. And I really do think lubricants spice it up and, and there's a great benefit to owning all of the above. And, you know, Patty, one of my patients actually said to me, she said like her lubricant drawer is, is equivalent to her shoe closet, right? Because sometimes yeah. you wake up and you feel like wearing a certain pair of shoes and it goes with your mood and it goes with your activity. So it's, it's not only about um, what you're doing and who you're doing it with, but it's also about the individual person, right? So individual sexual experience is varied, right? And some may enjoy water-based under certain circumstances. Some may enjoy silicone at other times. So I think it's also very good to experiment with that and have, you know, a multiple selection at your disposal. And sometimes even during the same experience, you may be switching activities, you may be doing other things. So keeping those handy is very, very important. And one thing I think, Erin, that I would love for you to comment on is, is something like the delivery system too, because a lot of women 
will shy away from lubricants because how to apply them and they're not easy to apply or they're messy or they're you know problematic or they break down the spontaneity but you know i know cheryl and i both agree that you can incorporate these into the sexual experience part of foreplay uh, there are very good delivery systems. I love the stuff with uh, Pure Romance that it's a spray, it's meter dosed, it's controlled. Um, and they all have different consistencies as well. So I think that's an important thing to remember that, you know, keeping those handy, um, having a variety of them, and really normalizing it into the sexual experience is really important. Dr. Kingsburg, how do you determine what kind of lubricant is best for you and your partner? Um, well, I think you're talking about the you being general, not me, but I will tell you um, that, <laughs> um, that it really is about having a conversation um, sometimes with your, uh, with your pure romance consultant or your healthcare provider about what's going to be best for you physically. So for example, if you are a postmenopausal woman who's struggling with um, some genital sensitivity and has a pH balance issue um, and, she, and are kind of vulnerable to, um, to dryness, you may want to think about not using something that has a warming aspect to it, because that can be a little more sensitive. Whereas if you're a 20 year old and, and you're you know, up for some fun and some excitement and, and really want some innovation, that's gonna be the right one for you. So you have to think about the reality of your body, your age, your um, general vulnerability, but really, um, you know, water-based is great because it's easy and, and, you know, you can use it almost everywhere with anybody, uh, but the silicone can last longer. So women who are, you know, a little bit frustrated with having to reapply, uh, particularly again, um, as women age, they often may need a little bit more lubrication using something like a silicone base lasts a little bit longer. So they're not having to reapply quite as much, um, which can take away from some of uh, the sort of spontaneity of what they're doing. Um, the, and you also have to think about the, the, uh, the condoms that uh, women who are having sex with men may be uh, wanting to think about. So Erin was talking about oil-based, really can't use with latex condoms, but there are other condoms. Uh, you could use, be using a lambskin uh, condom and there are other you know, polyurethane condoms that can tolerate uh, an oil base. So you, you have to think about what your partner is using if you're, if you're having sex with somebody who's using a condom, um, as well as just trying to figure out what you actually enjoy. Again, sometimes the fingers are the best place to experiment with. Take a few and figure out what the feeling is that you like for you. I think that's great advice. I really do. It's, it, it, it's experiment with it in your hand. Um, so there are concerns with the type of lubricants to be used with condoms. And so somebody who's new to this, that's going to be buying their lubricant for the first time, do you say use a pea size amount? Do you say use a nickel size amount? What would you tell uh, um, somebody using a lubricant for the first time? How, what's a good amount? It's kind of the Goldilocks approach. You know, too little is not enough and too much is going to, you know, 
feel like you're you're being drowned. Um, so I would say, you know, start with um, more than a pea and less than a beach ball. And somewhere in between is, is, is going to be the right amount. Actually, I would have them put it in the palm of their hand. Um, and that way they can, again, it's experimenting, figure out what works in their hand before they then try to, you know, incorporate it into their genitals. And that usually, you know, women are smart. They can figure out uh, how much feels good to them uh, because they don't want to feel sticky and messy. They really don't. But really too little is, isn't going to do them any good. And so that's the, the message I would give is kind of think about Goldilocks and say, you, you really just need that sweet spot, so to speak. Um, and a little bit of experimentation goes a long way. The last thing you want is to accidentally sort of squeeze a bottle and have it all come out. Um, and then, you know, uh, having a good sense of humor in the bedroom is also a really good idea. I and, like that. And Cheryl, I would say it's kind of like adding, you know, salt to the soup, right? You do it a little bit and you see how it feels and how it how it's progressing. And then you can always add a little bit more and allow a little bit more. It's very hard to take it away. Um, hey, Michael, yeah, you, first of all, you're a good cook. I know that. And But what I wouldn't want to do is insult you by sitting at your table and putting salt in your soup. So you bring up a wonderful point, right. which is how do you use a lubricant and not feel like you are sort of embarrassing your partner by saying you're not turning me on enough. And so that's a really important thing to sort of incorporate the communication that it again validates for you and your partner that lubricants uh, A can enhance sexuality, B it has nothing to do with whether you're aroused or not. And that way you don't sort of, you know, shame your partner or insult them. And the, the other thing I think is important, Cheryl, is how do you incorporate it, right? And we're talking about empowering the woman, but, you know, I, I bet that if I would ask 10 women how to apply lubricant, you would get 10 different answers, right? So even the fundamentals, everybody says, oh yeah, just use a lubricant, right? But a lot of women have no experience with a lubricant. And it's like saying, just drive a car. Like, like I know kind of what to do, but I don't know like where all the intricacies are. So I think it's really important to get to the fundamentals. And what I tell patients probably is different than you. And I say, well, you know, incorporate, incorporate into the foreplay, engage your partner. It can be part of foreplay that you can apply it to your partner. You can, your partner can apply it to you uh, at the opening inside as well. So it could be part of a, you know, we, we talk about sexual accessories. We talk about, you know, vibrators and sexual lingerie and things to enhance, but let's not forget that lubricants can also be considered a sexual accessory. They can be used during the sexual act at various times by both partners with communication as well. So I, you know, I echo your sentiments, but I also think it's important to get back to basics, right? And it's very important when you say, oh yeah, just use a lubricant. Many people, men included, have no clue about what that means, right? Oh, use a lubricant, you know, and I'm talking from experience, right? I have two young kids, they're starting to drive and I say, I feel like just drive the car. And they're looking at me like deer in the headlights. They need instruction. You know, sometimes back to the basics, I think is really important. Well, even one of the instructions about condom use, I mean, or, uh, you know, do you put it on the condom? Do you put it on, you know, a woman? Where do you, or a man, where, where do you put, you know, where do you start? 
and um, you know, or putting it on a penis if you're not using a condom. Um, you know, who, which way is the best way? And again, a little, a little experimentation goes a long way. But many women would want that instruction so that they can feel sort of confident walking into the situation. And I would say it's always safer to put it on yourself um, be before you sort of think about your partner. That way, it also is helpful for self-exploration. You need to know where your body is, what it feels like, what, you know, what the sensation is. And so it kind of has a double, um, a double value in that women who wouldn't necessarily touch themselves are now learning how to explore their own bodies. Right. Yeah. And I, before we jump ahead, I wanted to mention, you know, we're talking about partner play, but it's also important when you're by yourself. Uh, and it's not just for heterosexual couples. Sometimes, you know, you're involved in a same-sex relationship or, um, you know, other, other uh, situations. So again, uh, there's no problem with using lubricants when you are by yourself with sexual exploration. And I've also, you know, uh, encouraged women to use lubricants sometimes on other parts of their body. Sometimes the nipples are very, very sensitive and they can be enhanced with lubricants placed on the nipples to improve sensation or, you know, improve touch and what have you. So again, uh, a lot of different things that we're talking about, but I think really important that it's not just for partner play, it can be by yourself, it can be with toys. Um, and really the you know ultimate in versatility in terms of a sexual accessory. So uh, it's important to to open up that you know sexual pleasure chest and have a lot of different choices in there. So Aaron, let me ask a question. Can uh, lubricants be used with sex toys? The answer is absolutely. Uh, not only is it highly recommended to use a, not only is it possible to use a lubricant with a sex toy, it's actually highly recommended. Um, if you're engaging in self-pleasure with your sex toy, there likely the amount of foreplay um, that you would experience with a partner is less. So. Since foreplay plays such a major role in your body's ability to lubricate itself when stimulated, um, you'll want to supplement the, with a lubricant, not only for, like Dr. Kutcherman was saying, um, improved sensation and experience, but also to protect the tissues of the vagina. Um, Water-based lubricants, like just like me, are the safest to use as a sex toy. However, Pure Romance has made major strides recently to ensure there are more options for those silicone lubricant lovers. Um, the standard in our industry has always cautioned the use of silicone lubricants with silicone sex toys. However, we've been able to create a silicone lubricant called Pure Pleasure that doesn't break down Pure Romance's silicone toys, leaving them feeling sticky. So uh, we're really excited that um, we now can have an option for those silicone lovers as well. That's great. Is there a shelf life to lubricants? Yeah, lubricants actually can expire. Um, so you, the last thing you want to do is put an expired product in your most sensitive areas. Uh, the shelf life of a lubricant could be up to three years from production. So that actually translates to 12 months after opening. Um, you want to make sure that, like I said, you're not putting something in your intimate areas that could cause you any, any discomfort. 
So what's the best way to store your lubricants? Um, you always want to store your lubricant in a cool, dry place, such as a nightstand or closet. The shelf life of your lubricant is actually affected by the storage condition. So if you keep a lubricant in a location that has drastic climate changes, temperature changes, it could cause your product to break down quicker, and then you're not going to get its full life out of it. Good advice. Dr. Critchman, if you're prone to yeast, infections or you're, you have highly sensitive skin, what kind of uh, lubricant would you recommend? Well, Patty, I think the important thing is to kind of take a step back and I'm, uh, you know, I have a, a clinical experience where I'm a tertiary referral and I have a lot of women that will come in and say, you know, I have a yeast infection, it has to be the lubricant. And I think we need to take a step back and, and look at the underlying conditions before we make that association. So although a lot of women feel like there is a link, very often there is not a link. There's an underlying medical condition that needs to be addressed, whether it is you know changes in the vaginal pH that make yeast more likely. And you know sexual activity in and of itself is a risk factor for a yeast infection, right? Uh, blood, sperm, those all change the vaginal pH as well. So for me, you know, um, I really have started to recommend more of the silicone-based lubricants for women who have this concept of their uh, sensitive uh, um, vaginal tissue, their vulvar area is sensitive. Um, some some of the, the water base may contain some preservatives, they may contain some things to prevent um, uh, bacterial growth. Uh, I really recommend that you start reading labels and that you avoid things like bactericides, spermicides, those are really known to affect the vaginal mucosa. Um, but if you're prone to yeast infections, which we're now seeing actually as a result of this pandemic, we're seeing a, a, a really a rise in uh, yeast infections for women. And that's really about um, over treating or under treating or mistreating the infections that they get resistant strains. Um, I think we I think it warrants a medical evaluation. So to make that quick jump that, oh, it must be the lubricant um, is not always necessarily so. Uh, I think um, Silicone lubricants are anhydrous. They do not contain water. They won't affect the vaginal pH. Uh, I think if you are concerned um, about the vaginal biome, which is you know the new buzzword of the bacteria, the good and the bad that are living in the vagina, then silicone is the right choice. Uh, it's inert. It's not going to change your pH. Um, and really understand that you've got to follow the science. You've got to follow the data. Uh, that there is really, you know, very, very limited, hardcore, good evidence to support the fact that uh, lubricants alone are the contributing factor to yeast. So really, you need a, a good gynecological exam, you may need a vulvar vaginal specialist who is going to look at what kind of species of yeast you're having, what kind of um, pH issues you may be experiencing, what kind of drug resistance th those specific species are. So it's a little more complicated, but I think really, um, if you are concerned, I think silicone is the, um, is the way to go in my book. 
Okay, Dr. Kingsburg, some women seem to be ashamed that they need a lubricant. And uh, how can we debunk this whole, the, the, the shame of using oh, them? Yeah. So Patty, you know, women are, are sort of pressed into feeling shame about anything related to sexuality, anything. So, you know, using a lubricant is only one of a million things that women are sort of given a message they're not supposed to embrace their sexuality. So, you know, to lubricants are a great place to start to debunk that, but we need to, you know, validate a woman's right to have a sexual experience and to have healthy sexual function um, and to, you know, use whatever she can and needs to use in order to make, you know, sex comfortable, enhance it, uh, certainly pain-free. Um, too many women have suffered in silence with painful, you know, sexual activity, uh, whether it's by themselves or with a partner, we need to embrace the fact that we need to help them identify that they're in, in charge of their own sexuality. And that means no pain, no discomfort, and no shame, you know, to use a lubricant A doesn't make them, you know, dysfunctional or, um, or broken. That's number one, they are not broken. Almost every woman can make use of a lubricant. And at some point in a woman's life, she is going to need a lubricant. And that is a normal thing for women, right? Let's just validate that and take the shame out of, but why do I need a lubricant? And I will tell you, there are partners who will say, well, how come you need a lubricant? None of my other partners needed a lubricant. Well, that part, that person is a little delusional and probably didn't pay any attention to the fact that their partner was probably using a lubricant. Um, and there are many reasons why that person probably is a little blind. So we need to really wake up women to say, take control of your bodies. You are absolutely entitled to use a lubricant as part of normal functioning. Uh, no shame. They need to be able to ask about it. That's where the shame comes in. They need to be able to talk to their healthcare provider or their friends or a pure romance consultant to say, you know, to even go to a party to say, you know, I, I'm curious, I want to know how to, you know, have a good sexual experience. And that's the part we need to help them open their mouths. It's called well, permission, giving you know, themselves permission. You know, and yeah. Patty, I think the important thing to remember about pure romance and about the PBF is, you know, education is power. And um, I think that's really important. And that's part of our mission at the PBF is really to empower women to become educated and normalize. And this is, you know, it should be something like brushing your teeth. It should not, there should be just a normal communication aspect of it. It shouldn't be stigmatized. It's a normal part of a sexual experience. Um, and I think education is power and understanding your body and understanding how it works and how it changes throughout the life cycle um, really is one of our important missions that we have. And I really uh, appreciate the opportunity to help in that reaching that goal because once a woman understands and feels comfortable understanding her body, then everything else will fall into place. And that communication aspect, I think, is really important, normalizing it and really understanding that it's not about 
that they're broken and that something needs to be fixed. It's really about some of the normative aspects of sexuality and how they change throughout the life cycle. So really important to educate women on, on these aspects as well. There you go. Education. Stay a student. Hey, you know, can I just, on the flip side of what I just said and what we all agreed on, which is lubrication is, you know, using a lubricant is normal. I do think, you know, Michael, you've worked in, in oncology for a long time. We really need to also empower women who have medical problems, who are afraid to talk to not just their gynecologist of primary care, but their oncologist, for goodness sakes, or their radiation oncologist about um, sexual concerns. And that's on the other side. There are medical problems that can occur in women that will leave them absolutely in need of lubrication. And uh, we need to also help empower those women, again, not to feel broken and not to feel like it is the cost of survival, but rather we can bring them back to healthy sexual function. And I know Patty will endorse this. One of our big charges for the PBF was building a positive um, healthcare team and a sexual healthcare team. Right. And it's okay to fire your clinician, and you know, and it's okay to um, seek a team that is um, really supportive of your needs. So, you know, and we do have that resource. It's uh, available on the PBF download. These are very, very important aspects to the road towards, you know, empowerment and sexual vitality is really building that team. And, you know, you and I and Aaron and Patty, um, we have no problem talking about sexuality, talking about lubricants. But unfortunately, as you mentioned, you know, the norm really is, oh, yeah, maybe you need a lubricant, like get out, you know, um, I don't really want to talk about that because I'm uncomfortable or this is not the right form or be thankful that you're alive or what have you. So building a positive team, I think is key. And that is really about getting yourself educated about what is appropriate for you and what your needs are uh, as a, you know, a vital sexual woman. And if your team is not good, it's okay to tell them, I want a second opinion. I want a third opinion, a fourth opinion. And there are clinicians throughout the country, like Cheryl and I, who really want to empower women to have positive sexual experiences. So uh, don't be, um, don't suffer in silence. And if your answers are not being met, seek out people that will help you help yourself. I agree 1000%. I want to thank my guests, Dr. Michael Kirchman, Dr. Cheryl Kingsburg, and Aaron Harris for a great conversation. And if you like what you heard today, please rate and subscribe to our podcast. For more information, on the Patty Brisbane Foundation for Women's Sexual Health and our focus areas, visit the Patty Brisbane Foundation.org. And remember, sex care is self-care and sexual health matters. <laughs> <laughs>